Chapter Twelve of the Silent House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Silent House by Fergus Hume. Chapter Twelve: The Veil and Its Owner. As may be surmised. Lucian was considerably startled by the discovery of this important evidence so confirmative of Diana's suspicions. Yet the knowledge which Link had gained relative to Mrs. Vrain's remaining at Berwin Manor to keep Christmas seemed to contradict the fact, and he could by no means reconcile her absence with the presence on the fence of the fragment of gauze, still less with the supposition that she must have climbed over a tolerably difficult obstacle to enter the yard, let alone the necessity, by no means easy to a woman, of descending into the disused cellar by means of a shaky and fragile ladder. After all, thought Lucian, when he was seated that same evening at his dinner, I am no more certain that the veil is the property of Mrs. Vrain than I am that she was the woman whose shadow I saw on the blind. Whosoever it was that gained entrance by passing over fence and through cellar must have come across the yard belonging to the house facing the other road. Therefore the person must be known to the owner of that house, and I must discover who the owner is. Miss Grebe will know. Lucian made this last remark with the greatest confidence, as he was satisfied, from a long acquaintance with his landlady, that there was very little concerning her own neighborhood of which she was ignorant. The result verified his belief, for when Miss Grebe came in to clear the table, a duty she invariably undertook so as to have a chance of conversing with her admired lodger, she was able to afford him the fullest information on the subject. The position of the house in question, the name of its owner, the character of its tenants, she was thoroughly well posted up in every item, and willingly imparted her knowledge with much detail and comment. "'Number nine Jersey Street,' said she, unhesitatingly. "'That is the number of the house at the back of the haunted mansion, Mr. Denzil. I know it as well as I know my ten fingers.' "'To whom does it belong?' asked Lucian. "'Mr. Peacock. He owns most of the property round about here, having bought up the land when the place was first built on. He's seventy years of age, you know, Mr. Denzil.' continued Miss Grebe conversationally, and rich. Lord, I don't know how rich he is. Building houses cheap and letting them dear. He has made more out of that than in sanding his sugar and chicorying his coffee. He... What is the name of the tenant? interrupted Lucian, cutting short this rapid sketch of Peacock's life. This has been Susan, one of the largest women hereabouts. I don't quite understand. Fat, Mr. Denzel. She turns the scale at eighteen stone, and is pretty well broke every weighing machine in the place. What reputation has she, Miss Grebe? Oh, pretty good, said the little woman, shrugging her shoulders, though they do say she overcharges and underfeeds her lodgers. She keeps a boarding house, then? Well, she lets rooms, explained Mrs. Grebe in a very definite manner, and those who live in them supply their own food and pay for service and kitchen fire. Who is with her now? No one, replied the landlady promptly. She's had her bill up these last three months. Her last lodger left about Christmas. What is his name? Or her name? Oh, it was a he, said Miss Grebe, smiling. Mrs. Ben Susan prefers gentlemen who are out of doors all day to ladies muddling and meddling all day about the house. I must say I do too, Mr. Denzel, ended the lady with a fascinating glance. What is his name, Miss Grebe? repeated Lucian, quite impervious to the hint. Let me see, said Miss Grebe discomfited at the result of her failure. A queer name that had to do with payments. Bill is the short for William. No, it wasn't that, although it does suggest an account. Quarter day? No. 
but it had something to do with quarter days. Rent, finished Miss Grieve triumphantly. Rent, with a W before it. W-R-E-N-T, spelled Lucian. Yes, Rent, Mr. Rent. A strange name, Mr. Denzil. A kind of charade, as I may say. He was with Mrs. Ben Susan six months. Came to her house about the time Mr. Berwin hired number 13. Very strange, assented Lucian, to stop further comment. What kind of a man was this Mr. Rent? I don't know. I never heard much about him, replied Miss Grebe regretfully. May I ask why you want to know all this, Mr. Denzil? Lucian hesitated, as he rather dreaded the chattering tongue of his landlady, and did not wish his connection with the Vrain case to become public property in Geneva Square. Still, Miss Grebe was a valuable ally, if only for her wide acquaintance with the neighborhood, its inhabitants, and their doings. Therefore, after a moment's reflection, he resolved to secure Miss Grebe as a coadjutor, and risk her excessive garrulity. "'Can you keep a secret, Miss Grebe?' he asked, with impressive solemnity. Struck by his serious air, and at once on fire with curiosity to learn its reason, Miss Grebe loudly protested that she should sooner die than breathe the word of what her lodger was about to divulge. She hinted, with many a mysterious look and nod, that secrets endangering the domestic happiness of every family in the square were known to her, and appealed to the fact that such families still lived in harmony as a proof that she was to be trusted. "'Wild horses wouldn't drag out of me what I know,' cried Miss Grebe earnestly. "'You can confide in me as you would in a—' She was about to say mother, but recollecting her juvenile looks, substituted the word sister.' "'Very good,' said Lucian, explaining just as much as would serve his purpose. "'Then I may tell you, Miss Grebe, that I suspect the assassin of Mr. Vrain.' entered through Mrs. Ben Susan's house, and so got into the yard of number 13. "'Lord!' cried Miss Grebe, taken by surprise. "'You don't say, sir, that Mr. Rent is a murdering villain, steeped in gore?' "'No, no,' replied Lucian, smiling at this highly-colored description. "'Do not jump to conclusions, Miss Grebe. So far as I am aware, this Mr. Rent you speak of is innocent. Do you know Mrs. Ben Susan and her house well?' "'I visited both several times, Mr. Denzil.' "'Well, then, tell me,' continued the barrister, "'is the house built with a full frontage, like those in this square? "'I mean, to gain Mrs. Ben Susan's backyard, "'is it necessary to go through Mrs. Ben Susan's house?' "'No,' replied Miss Grebe, "'shutting her eyes to conjure up the image of her friend's premises. "'You can go around the back, through the side passage, "'which leads in from Jersey Road.' "'Hm,' said Lucian, in a dissatisfied tone. "'That complicates matters.' "'How so, sir?' demanded the curious landlady. Never mind just now, Miss Grebe. Do you think you could draw me a plan of this passage of Mrs. Ben Susan's house, and of number 13, with the yards between? I never could sketch, said Miss Grebe regretfully, and I am no artist, Mr. Denzil, but I think I can do what you want. Here is a sheet of paper and a pencil. Will you sketch me the houses as clearly as you can? With much reflection and nibbling of the pencil, and casting of her eyes up to the ceiling to aid her memory, Miss Grebe, in ten minutes, produced the required sketch. "'There you are, Mr. Denzil,' said Miss Grebe, placing this work of art before the barrister. "'That's as good as I can draw.' "'It is excellent, Miss Grebe,' replied Lucian, examining the plan. "'I see that anyone can get into Mrs. Ben Susan's yard through the side passage.' "'Oh, yes. But I don't think a person could without being seen by Mrs. Ben Susan or Rhoda.' "'Who is Rhoda?' "'The servant. She's as sharp as a needle.' But an idle slut for all that, Mr. Denzil. They say she's a gypsy of some kind. 
Is the gate of this passage locked at night? Not that I know of. Then what is to prevent anyone coming in under cover of darkness and climbing the fence? He would escape then being seen by the landlady and her servant. I dare say, but he'd be seen climbing over the fence from the back windows of the houses on each side of number 13. Not if he chose a dark night for the climbing. Well, even if he did, how could he get into number 13? argued Miss Grebe. You know I've read the report of the case, Mr. Denzel, and it couldn't be found out, as the kitchen door was locked and no stranger entered the square, how the murdering assassin got in. I may discover even that, replied Lucian, not choosing to tell Miss Grebe that he had already discovered the entrance. With time and inquiry and observation we can do much. Thank you, Miss Grebe, he continued, slipping the drawing of the plan into his breast-coat pocket. I am much obliged for your information. Of course, you'll repeat our conversation to no one. I swear to breathe no word, said Miss Grebe dramatically, and left the room greatly pleased with this secret understanding, which had quite the air of an innocent intrigue such as was detailed in journals designed for the use of the family circle. For the next day or two, Lucian mused over the information he had obtained, and made a fresh drawing of the plan for his own satisfaction. But he took no steps on this new evidence, as he was anxious to submit his discoveries to Miss Brain before doing so. At the present time, Diana was at Bath, taking possession of her ancestral acres, and consulting the family lawyer on various matters connected with the property. Once she wrote to Lucian, advising him that she had heard several pieces of news likely to be useful in clearing up the mystery, but these she refused to communicate, save at a personal interview. Denzil was thus kept in suspense, and unable to rest until he knew precisely the value of Miss Vrain's newly acquired information. Therefore it was with a feeling of relief that he received a note from her, asking him to call at three o'clock on Sunday at the Royal John Hotel. Since her going and coming, a week had elapsed. Now that his divinity had returned and he was about to see her again, the sun shone once more in the heavens for Lucian, and he arrayed himself for his visit with the utmost care. His heart beat violently, and his color rose as he was ushered into the little sitting-room, and he thought less of the case at the moment than of the joy in seeing Miss Brain once more, in hearing her speak, and watching her lovely face. On her part, Diana, recollecting their last meeting, or, more particularly, their parting, blushed in her turn, and gave her hand to the barrister with a newborn timidity. She also was inclined to like Lucian more than was reasonable for the peace of her heart. So these two people, each drawn to the other, should have come together as lovers even at this second meeting. But, alas, for the prosaicness of this workaday world, they had to assume the attitudes of lawyer and client, and discourse of crime instead of love. The situation was a trifle ironical, and must have provoked the laughter of the gods. Well, asked Miss Vrain, getting to business as soon as Lucian was seated, and what have you found out? A great deal likely to be of service to us. And you? I, replied Miss Vrain in a satisfied tone, I have discovered that the stiletto with the ribbon is gone from the library. Who took it away? No one knows. I can't find out, although I asked all the servants. But it has been missing from its place for some months. Do you think Mrs. Vrain took it? I can't say, replied Diana. But I have made one discovery about Mrs. Vrain, which implicates her still more in the crime. She was not in Berwin Manor on Christmas Eve, but in town. Really? said Lucian, much amazed. But Link was told that she spent Christmas in the manor at Bath. So she did. Link asked generally, and was answered generally. Mrs. Vrain went up to town on Christmas Eve and returned on Christmas Day. But, said Diana, with emphasis, 
She spent the night in town, and on that night the murder was committed. Lucian produced his pocketbook and took therefrom the fragment of gauze, which he handed to Diana. I found this on the fence at the back of number 13, he said. It is a veil, a portion of a velvet-spotted veil. A velvet-spotted veil, cried Diana, looking at it. Then it belongs to Lydia Vrain. She usually wears velvet-spotted veils. Mr. Denzil, the evidence is complete. That woman is guilty. End of chapter 12